today's episode, we have Mike Henry, who is the founder of BaliExpat.com. He is originally from Melbourne and is now retired in Bali with his family. Find out how he left his job through the amazing power of the internet and decided to live a global lifestyle. In this episode, we cover how he generated income while traveling around the world, the future of Bali including current problems and opportunities, the property market in Bali and how you can be a part of it, skills you can leverage to live a similar lifestyle and much much more. However, the audio was not crystal clear at some point, so please bear with us. Now, let's get on with the show. And coming into the show. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. It's a pleasure. Um, so to get started off, we'll first cover your amazing backstory on how you got here in the first place and what decisions led you to actually leave Australia and pursue, uh, pursue your life as an expat. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, basically, I started, I went to university in Australia and uh, during my university studies, I, I first wanna, went on a homestay visit to Japan and I got, from that trip, I got really interested in um, just traveling overseas and different cultures. I'd never experienced that before. So I pretty much knew as soon as I finished um, studying university, uh, I just wanted to travel. And I went back to Japan and I taught English there for a number of years. And then my degree was actually in computer science. So um, I wanted to shift my career back into like IT. So I worked in IT for a number of years, uh, mostly just uh, help desk, technical support, that type of thing in, in Australia and in Japan. And then uh, one, while I was doing the help desk work, one time uh, my boss needed someone to work on their company's intranet. So that's basically how I got involved in uh, websites. And just learning myself, you know, basics like HTML and um, bit of programming and that kind of thing. Um, yeah, that was the, the first step and I got interested, made my, my first website and um, that's when Google AdSense was just becoming popular. So I started, I was living in Tokyo, so I started, well, actually I bought a, um, a website about Tokyo and then it didn't have AdSense on it at the time. So not many people knew about AdSense then. So I basically could just buy the site, put AdSense on it, and I started making money from it. So, and then, you know, once you make one side and then you learn about affiliate programs, um, just keep, keep working that way. That's what I did. And um, I spent a bit more time in Japan. And then, you know, one day someone said to me, well, you could um, run your website from anywhere. And I thought, yeah, why not? And that's basically what I did. I started traveling around Southeast Asia and this is around uh, 2006. I left my job um, then in Japan. So that kind of, that name of digital nomad wasn't really popular, wasn't well known then, but I did be belong to a forum. It was called working nomad 
and I think that was kind of a bit of a precursor to uh, the word digital nomad. And, you know, there was no, I mean, you could get Wi-Fi anywhere, but um, there wasn't like things like you have now, like co-working spaces and all that kind of thing. So um, I think I was fairly one of, at least one of the first people to be involved in that type of thing. But um, yeah, I basically traveled around, kept working on my websites and then uh, met my wife and she's in Sumatra, uh, which is um, sort of North Indonesia, part of Northern Indonesian Island. And we got married and uh, thought Bali would be a nice place to live. So we moved here. <laughs> That's kind of how I got here. That's and awesome. yeah, we, we've done, quite a lot of things. Um, my wife, she got involved in property, real estate, and I kept doing my websites. And then we bought a small guest house. That's where I am now. And we ran that for a while. And then we had children and she went back to university, um, studied law. So she's become a lawyer now. Yeah, and we just keep doing whatever we can to um, earn money, make a business, support our family, and yeah. That's awesome. So when, when you said you wanted to travel around the world, did you already have like a cushion of uh, revenue streams or did you just design it on the fly? Like as you went, you um, established them or did you already have like a mm. safety cushion with you? Yeah, for sure. I I had savings, I had savings and um, I did have some property in Australia and uh, I was, got involved in property in New Zealand. So I had the savings for sure and I had some income and I mean, as you know, it's very cheap to live. I, I always wanted to, I always traveled when I was living in Japan just for like one or two weeks here and there, but I wanted to sort of do like an extended overland trip yeah so that's what i did you know and i guess i was kind of really worried about spending too much money and whether my my money would run out so i did live very cheaply for quite a while you know did the real backpacker thing um i guess it, i didn't really have to do that i realize that now but i mean at the time it's something i enjoyed doing and yeah, I'm, I realized, I mean, it's not something easy to do. I mean, there's a lot more resources now about traveling and there's a lot more places you can stay. But, you know, at the time, Wi-Fi was, could be very spotty. So it wasn't easy to always be working like it is now. There wasn't like 4G networks and that type of thing. So, um, yeah, uh, yeah, so... Safety net, I think, yeah, for sure. It's important to have that for sure. And you never know the ups and downs and like the situation now, I think uh, most people realize you need yeah. to have a That's cushion. You need, you cannot rely on one income, you know, especially like um, AdSense, you know, like that was, it does well for a while and then it sort of just dropped off for me and hasn't never really done as well as like it did at the start. And you always have to be looking for different income streams, you know, like 
an affiliate program could be doing well one one time and then for whatever reason that company can go bankrupt or the owners stop running it you know and you don't get paid and so on so that there's always those risks and there's never ever any guarantee that something will keep going on and on so i think you always got to be aware of what's next something might be working well now but you know in the future yeah. you gotta constantly upgrade yourself not happen yeah. yeah yeah i think so yeah yeah you cannot be complacent i think that's the main thing i mean i i it happened to me i think i got complacent for a while you know when you're traveling around you don't have the and you've left a, a regular sort of nine to five job you need quite a lot of discipline Otherwise, you know, everyone else who's traveling, they might not be working. So they're having kind of like a party every night. So it's easy to get um, just part of that kind of group and then you're not um, focused on working so much. So yeah, definitely you need some discipline, yeah. Yeah, so you said you invested in property in Australia first. Do you still, uh, actively invest or have you completely put that no um, yeah we bought um, a property here in, in Indonesia so that's we've focused on that it's a small guest house you know initially it was only four rooms and then we built additional rooms and I mean it was running very well for quite a while but it's it's a very hands-on business you know compared yeah. to online businesses um like i made the website and i enjoyed getting the, the clients through you know different marketing seo and that type of thing but then guests come you need you can get staff and whatever but the guests want to meet you you know they want to speak to you so um it's fun that's while well, when i was traveling probably like and a lot of people you think oh and you stay at different guest houses and you think oh well one day it would be nice to have a business like that and that's what i thought and for sure the first few years were quite good but um, um you know, in bali we've had a lot of you know now we have the COVID situation where we yeah. just decided to close the whole down we had um the volcano and then we had the earthquake lombok you know terrorists and a few earthquakes and so on so we've never been hit but you know like every time something like that, had that happens you know you you get stop coming so it's like I, I mentioned before you can't rely on one thing and um definitely tourism business is very tricky and um that's why I prefer to go back into sort of the online things, um, business where, you know, it's a little bit more predictable. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. So yeah. I, I actually found one of your articles, 2011, where you said mm. your dream was to own a guest house, which you obviously do now, which is, yeah. which is pretty great. And, yeah, um, well, yeah. you know, like you travel around, you travel around Southeast Asia, you meet a lot of people and you meet like foreigners, expats, they got married to a local and that's one business they start either a restaurant or a guest house. Um, yeah, but it's not after a while. I mean, you're working at a job, 
you know, one thing you can always do is quit and go start another job. But if you have a business, <laughs> unless it's easy to sell, you know, you kind of, um, you, you just stuck with it. So, and the situation in the property market is, isn't so great here. Um, you know, we live in the north of Bali, which isn't as popular as, say, like Changu and Ubud. So the property market is a bit more difficult here to, to sell property. So, um, yeah, you, you have your dream of starting, but you also... <laughs> If you want to move on, that's not easy either. So yeah, yeah. that's true. And so with with this current situation, how are you um, hope like how are you finding guests and keeping your uh, guest houses? Well, going? my my wife is. Um, we live on the on the property, and we have just by chance we had my mother in law staying, and so she can't. She's from North Sumatra, so she couldn't go back. Uh-huh. So, you know, like she's older and, and, um, if she has some health problems, so we can't really take any risk, um, with having someone infected come. So which just too many issues, you know, like someone can't comes and then you need to clean up afterwards. And my wife didn't want to take the risk and, you know, yeah. because we have our house there on the property and our, kind of reception area is actually the front of our house. So people coming in all the time, you know, my wife didn't want to deal with that. So we decided to take a break from it. So, you know, <laughs> I mean, there's some places still open, but you know, yeah, my I wife's mean, very yeah, diverse. E- so. <laughs> yeah. Even if there's, uh, even if it's open, I think there's not many guests at the moment. I was talking to my, the, my driver, who uh, who took yep. us around last time, and he was like, for three months he hasn't had any guests book him, so that was pretty sad. Yeah, because people can't come in, so the the guests yes. that are here now they're they're basically living here. So <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So where do you like? As you, you live in Lovina, is it your yeah villa? Okay, so I I've like from what I know, like south of Bali was like way too popular and i honestly feel like north bali is underrated i think it has a lot of gems to offer do you think it could have an effect like the property prices could have an effect in the future just as the south in the north as well they they're planning they've been talking about it for years but to build an airport in the north because um yeah people the government sees that sort of imbalance between the north and the south. So they have this huge plan to build a big airport here, but I think it would be years before that gets um, underway. Um, because the sea is, there's no surf, um, that puts people off, people who like to surf, you know, they're obviously not interested to come. And the beaches that have a black sand, volcanic sand, so it's not that kind of yellow golden sand like, um, beaches in the south, so that puts some people off. And there's a lot of trash, um, problems with pollution, and that. So, and people, the locals here, because there's less tourism, then they're a bit more desperate, so they kind of a bit more pushy to to people. So, yeah. people tend to love it or hate it. It's very, yeah. Whereas, say Ubud, most most people like Ubud or. Um, anywhere in the south people tend to like those areas but 
lobbyers kind of a very love or hate relationship. You know, yeah. some expats come, they love it, and they move here. And there's a big mm. European, more Europeans, Dutch, German community than anything here. Yeah. 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 My favorite parts mm. from North Bali were near Alingaling Falls and that that cluster of place where yeah. there were heaps of yeah. Well, that's Bulaleng. That's that, yeah. Bulaleng. Yeah. That that's. I think that's yeah. very yeah, underrated. Yeah. Yeah. yeah compared to the beaches, I think that's very underrated. Mm, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. 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 And so, there's a bit um, of the drive, you know, it takes two or three hours to drive here. So that's and it's a, people up too. Yeah. It's a very hard drive too, because it's very roads are very windy. Windy, yeah. 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 So um where do you like uh, where do you see the future of Bali in both in terms of like economically and socially? Like we'll start off with the social, like future of Bali in social aspects first. Well, I think the the big problem that Bali faces is that almost most of their economy is dependent on tourism, you know. And every time there's this there's a volcanic eruption, earthquake, and now the COVID situation, you know, means no one else has any other work, you know, because they're relying on tourism too much, the building hotels, um, and then you have people become a, they buy a car and they want to become a driver guide, and that's all they're focused on. So there's no, you know, like back to my story, I was trying to diversify my income, and then unfortunately they're not, they cannot do that here. And you know, Bali had a long kind of history with arts and crafts and. Younger people aren't doing that. You know, they're not involved with that as, as much anymore. So I think that's a shame. Um, a lot of young people, one of the options to make money is to work on a cruise ship. Yeah. And, you know, that industry has been decimated. So they would mm. sometimes get into a lot of debt to take these courses to work on the cruise oh. ship. And then they go overseas, work on the cruise ship. For them, it's a huge amount of money, maybe... A, thousand or if they go up goes up to say two thousand dollars a month and then they save all their money and they work basically like six months eight months straight and then they come back and they build a house or they buy a car and then they become a driver so or they yeah. start a restaurant so they're all their ideas are related to tourism so um like now one way people are getting trying to survive is by making some kind of food product. So harvesting some local produce and then selling um, different, uh, different foods and then they try to sell it online. So, I mean, people can adapt to different industries, but I mean, this, there's gotta be some kind of backup plan. I don't know what it, it can be, but maybe it's after arts and crafts, food production or something that there's not, 90% you know, dependent on tourism. So, you know, and then because people the building all these hotels and then I think the initial draw card of coming to Bali will lose like the rice fields, you know, this picture behind me, you know, if people building hotels and houses on rice field, there will be nothing left for people to see the attraction that, you know, people, or the image people have of Bali will is is definitely disappearing, so that's a huge problem too. 
um, yeah, if that answers the question. Yeah, oh, the, yeah, that, that's a very good answer. So have, have, do you see any changes in the attitude of like young people, how they're like, I'm sure they like realize that Bali like has like limited opportunity just because it's over dependent on tourism. Do you think they've, they're diversifying and exploring new ideas or business opportunities? I don't think young people are enough and I don't think there are the people who should be giving them options. They're not, whether it's parents or the government, you know, they're saying they're encouraging foreigners to come here or foreigners or anyone like from other parts of Indonesia to build hotels, you know, and then they think our local, our village will have a hotel in our village and then the people can come and work there. And even around me, they, they keep building new hotels. And it's not an, they built, there's too many um, hotels and there's cannot sustain the, the levels of tourism, even when it's busy. So unfortunately, they're not seeking any um, other forms of um, income. And yeah. you know, people going to work overseas, the cruise ship, that's another source potential, but um, like exporting labor and then they send money back and and so forth but even that that's involved in tourism again so either cruise ships or a lot of girls work in, in um, massage and that type of thing overseas so and then they save money which is good and then they come back and buy a house but what do they do they open a restaurant or start a guest house themselves so yeah. it's kind of a revolving thing they're not mm -hmm. thinking well, what else can we do, you know, which is a shame, but yeah, so, I think yeah. maybe digital, digital online things, that, that's a, that's a huge potential, but is, is the government pushing for that? No, I don't think so. Not like mm -hmm. say the Philippines where they have their call centers. And I think, yeah. um, India where they have doing software development, there's the potential is there for sure because you have these digital nomads coming here. Some will employ uh, Indonesian locals and there are definitely uh, the people that have skills, web design skills and so on, but no one's really saying, oh, this is something we should really focus on. And then like universities and so on. And the other problem is English. Um, the people who could potentially work in those industries, they need to have you know, a high level of English where say like countries like Philippines and India, I think Indo Indonesia misses out uh, in that regard because of the language difference. Yeah. Yeah. So um, as you said, like the, like a lot of foreigners invest in villas in Bali. Do you think mm. it's overrated or still is there still opportunity to invest for foreigners who are seeking to invest? This, yeah, well, I would like to see foreigners invest, but not think of new projects. You know, there's a lot of hotels that are like underdeveloped or, you know, they've, they've started 30 years ago, 50 years ago, um, and they've become run down. You know, it would be better if foreigners came mm, in yeah. and bought up the existing hotels and then develop that rather than building a brand. I keep seeing all these brand new, like 
building on Ricefield, when there's older hotels for sale, I, I think people want to have, even for houses, they want to have their own dream villa. They have this some image in their mind of what they want to go to an architect and then they see an, an area with a rice field view. They build there rather than there's a lot of property that's um, dormant needs to be sold. So I, I would like to encourage if foreigners want to invest in Bali, please don't buy on build on rice field don't buy rice field land and look at what's there maybe it's not your style but you can renovate you can build your own dream villa on you know properties that's existing you know i think that's you know invest come to bali invest but don't no one's really saying well i guess people are saying yeah because the the whole if we if people build on the the attraction that come people have to come to Bali, then there'll be nothing for people to come and see. So, if anyone get has that can take away that message, I think that would be, <laughs> that good. Would be good. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So from from what I understand, I think everything starts from the intention of the government. Like, or whatever that people decide, either from whatever way it just goes back into the tourism industry there's no diversification from the government itself yep. so then people can't really yeah. diversify yeah yeah okay and you know the people at the top you know like indonesia's uh, to get to the top of anything you need to have money you need to spend money so people when they get to the top they they need to recoup their investment oh. so uh, <laughs> Um, you know, if someone becomes a head of a village or whatever, you know, and then someone comes here and says, I want to invest in that, and uh, build a hotel here, you know, they say, sure, yeah. but you know, there's a price, there's a yeah. price. Exactly. So, so how to stop that? That's, that's kind of the question, how to stop that, you know, there's some green zones and so on, but you know, no, it's not enforced. And when there's weak legal system, weak enforcement, then there's no way to stop it. Yeah. yeah. Um, so apart from your online online business, blogging, uh, law consulting, mm. do you have any other future projects for yourself that you've planned? Well, I'm starting, because I started this Bali expat focus website, I'm thinking to have a global website, global expat website. Yeah. So that's what I just started working on, and yeah, sort of. I've I've just been interested in expat kind of lifestyle for whatever reason, and I'm really interested to learn about different countries, and not say from the tourism aspect, but like living there. And for whatever reason, I like learning about visas and finding work and all that kind of thing. So it's a topic I like. And even though I'm not maybe moving around, maybe I will again in the future, but um, I, that's why I decided to start this website because I lived in Japan. I lived in Indonesia now and I've spent some time in China and so forth. So I just like learning about different countries. So that's why I've decided to make um, a global website. Um, I mean, there's, there's a few already exist, so it's not like a new idea, but this is something I wanted to 
develop yeah yeah i i think that'll be a really great idea especially with the trends changing now everyone's going to focus on cuz you have work from home you can literally work from anywhere now yeah, yeah i mean there's that aspect yeah, yeah i mean but traditionally like companies sending people to overseas um that real you know they get a high salary and then they go work in shanghai or hong kong and they get a big salary and the company pays for that's kids education well, i think that's sort of disappearing yeah but there's yeah. probably the other aspects where people can if they have a, an income from one source that they can yeah move live in another this location so i guess it's just a, a play of words people say digital nomad maybe older people say expat you know <laughs> yeah well oh uh, yeah but you know exactly. in a way it's the same thing same thing it's yeah same i never thing. yeah i never thought of that yeah it's the same thing to be honest soon it will yeah. be just the normal yeah i feel like it'll be just normal going forward i think forward. so yeah. yeah yeah and you know like unfortunately expat usually means white person from a rich country going to a poor not always poor but then you have someone from a poor country going to a wealthier country they're not an expat they're an immigrant they call them an Can immigrant which, yeah which is which is not nice either you know yeah. but anyway um that's another topic <laughs> mm, no that's yeah that that's true that made me think <laughs> yeah um, yeah but anyway so, that kind of whole niche thing that's kind of what I want to focus on for now yeah yeah so, so going yeah. forward for what business opportunities do you see for people say in their 20s 30s who who want to live a global lifestyle what opportunities people have yeah in bali or anywhere else anywhere because as as you said you you're more interested in like global opportunities so what where do you see the most growth and most opportunity in the coming decade i think um as you said people can work anywhere so one thing i see is homeschooling you know i have children and now they can't go to school so we're teaching them from home they still um they're still enrolled in the school and the school gives them homework but it's not so much and because we're home we're spending time with the kids so that, that would that is huge homeschooling and then you need obviously curriculum i mean i think this situation parents are realizing hey maybe that my kids don't need to go to school and maybe kids schools are even saying going to say hey we don't need all these buildings and infrastructure you know we just need a good internet connection you know so that's that's going to change and i've been sort of looking at um what what other schools are available you know you need to just being like an entrepreneur to homeschool people maybe don't realize you need discipline yourself you need to be disciplined to teach your children because you know, it's not easy it's not like you can say to your son or daughter hey just work on this i'm going <laughs> out to the shops now and come back and it's done no you you got to spend a lot of time with them and one thing i'm trying to get my son to do is like say like do udemy courses that he's interested in and try so he can do the a course but he's he can learn how to learn you know if if he's interested in a particular topic he can go learn himself so i think that's definitely in the future and that's going to apply to universities and so on um and then 
I'm not interested in gaming, you know, video gaming, but my son is, and you know, he watches videos on YouTube and they put it up in a few hours that have 2 million views, yeah. you know, <laughs> it's just someone yeah. playing a game and you know, some, an SEO video put out by a well-regarded person, maybe get a couple of thousand views, you know, and you yeah. have kids playing games. They got millions of views, so, you know, That's true. it doesn't, you know, it's, it's crazy. That's so, that's been a nice thing to have children you see from their perspective. And then, you know, an older person, you get sort of set in your ways and you, you don't sort of look at different emerging trends and things. So um, there's, there's a huge amount of opportunity. So um, I don't know, I can't say for every possible thing, but homeschooling is one. Um, video games, another one, entertainment, that type of thing. And it's, I mean, it's unlimited, really, the opportunities that, you know, my kids have now that weren't available to, like, you and me. Yeah. So I think to embrace those things, yeah. Definitely. So what, what were some of the, as you said, like, now there's so much opportunity. So back when you started... 2006 mm. what were some of the mm. biggest challenges you had and how did you overcome them um well i was working in a job and i would just sort of come home and then work in my websites and i guess so that but i wasn't married didn't have kids so and there's a lot there was a lot of working in japan there's a lot of social activity so mm, yeah uh, after work, drinking and so forth. So, but it's something that I really loved doing. I couldn't wait to get home and I'd work on that. I didn't watch TV or whatever. I'd just work on that. And I guess, um, yeah, initially was just knowing what to do. There's so much more information available now. Um, but just trying everything, I think that's the only thing you can do. Um, things like SEO, you, you can only learn by trying. You cannot, you can do a course which gives the basics, but then you need to actually apply it to whatever website or niche that you're working on. Um, yeah, the other, I mean, having a job was a, a, a challenge finding time, but also um, if you remove that job, you can also become undisciplined so that was yeah. when I quit my job I thought well now I have 10 hours to work on my websites <laughs> you know and that it doesn't happen that that way you know um, so definitely the challenge in the beginning for me was being disciplined to actually do work and um, actually having a job was actually gave me more discipline and focus because I only had a few hours every day so you need to like push yourself a little bit to wake up early and, you know, do some work and not going out partying every night and, and, you know, spending every day traveling and being a tourist and that type of thing. So, uh, um, definitely discipline in the beginning, uh, the biggest challenge. Yeah, I think. Right. Um, just out of curiosity, how's, the like how's investing in equity markets in 
Bali and Indonesia? Is it very famous or is it do people do it in Bali commonly? Well, from what I have never tried and I'm reluctant to try and from my understanding is because of you know you have Indonesia itself has very weak enforcement of laws and it's very from what i understand of my what i've heard not what I, my, my personal experience there's people um there's a lot of market man, manipulation so yeah. um it's it's probably the very the worst thing you can get into yeah if you don't have the knowledge because yeah. in indonesia you know the wealth divide is massive so the people at the the top you know they have huge amounts of wealth and it just makes sense that they that they can do basically what they want yeah. you know mm-hmm. like things like um what do you call it um insider trading or insider knowledge that that even that concept probably doesn't even exist in <laughs> um you know like countries yeah. like indonesia i think you know whereas yeah, that's it's... probably encouraged or you know to find out any um inside yeah. information <laughs> yeah so, that's probably normal over there <laughs> yeah yeah it's all backroom deals and so on you know and mm. you know my wife's a lawyer here so i i experienced firsthand of how things sort of operate in that regard yeah yeah but um what if someone who invests in like global markets settle in bali would that mean they still yep. have to pay tax on they still have to pay tax on their revenue is it if they live in bali and they earn um, us dollars from investing in us stocks how does that work is there any regulations for that or do do you think people can still do it um well there's a, like a tax rule if you spend more than 183 180 something days in um indonesia then your your global income is taxable okay so if you have a lot of you know um global income then i guess i mean people come here for short periods they work like you know like fly in fly out workers they work on the mines in australia and then they come here in bali um like say on a tourist visa so they're only spending short times here so they're not um they're not a tax resident in indonesia so there's the number of days and that's one thing and at the moment there's no nothing it's changing but there's no system for the government to check there's not the information technology systems aren't available like in other countries so it's it's only they're really developing in that regard um like who know who owns what property you know like um checking bank accounts and all that type of thing so that's only very um and probably one thing you know there's corruption and there's a lot of money flooding around the system and i don't want to say too many bad things but you know when have a government of lax banking system they're not they're not going to have the motivation themselves to um push down yeah 
to enforce those things. And that's probably like, I think you, you might be aware, foreigners cannot legally buy properties in Indonesia. And, but what a lot of foreigners do, they come here and they use what they call a nominee. So they use an Indonesian person's name right. with the property in their name. And then they live or they rent out the property. So who owns what? So then they put it on Airbnb, they start making money. Well, for sure that local person is liable for the taxes, right? But mm. because that foreigner cannot own property in Indonesia, you know, what's his position, you know? <laughs> yeah. Legally and, you know, maybe he has obligations in your own country and it's not in your name, you know? That's, that's you know, I guess a gray area and there's a lot of problems in that in that regard and they're trying to they a couple of years ago they had what they call a tax amnesty where all Indonesians had to declare all the property and assets mm. they own and they had an amnesty so and you you know you had people lawyers and notaries with they had I don't know maybe hunt possibly even hundreds of properties in their name, all owned by foreigners, you know, yeah, and okay. they had to declare all that and they had to pay tax on say like, because basically the government's saying, well, you, you own a million dollar property. You had no way to earn that income. Okay. You need to pay how you bought that. So that's what they had an amnesty. They made people pay and, you know, if it was a nominee situation, the foreigners had to pay the local so that they could pay the tax office and so on. So, um, yeah, it's, it's beginning, but um, it's still taking time. Yeah. So there's the rules and then whether the rules are enforced or not, that's another thing. Right. Okay. Um, <laughs> so finishing up, what do you love about Bali? What's, what blows your mind about Bali? Well, I, I like, I like the warm weather. That's always, I've enjoyed the warm tropical weather when I had time off when I was working like in Japan, you know, the Japan has really cold winters and I will always go to Southeast Asia because of the warm weather. And I feel kind of more like alive. I like wearing t-shirts. I like wearing shorts every day. You know, I don't like having to wear warm clothes. So part of me is I just like Southeast Asia and the food, the different cultures. And um, yeah, my wife's from Sumatra, which is nice too. But Bali has a kind of nice mix between, um, you know, if other parts of Indonesia, you're a foreigner it's rarer to see them. So um, you, you kind of draw a bit of attention. Whereas in Bali, like there's so many foreigners around you, you have a nice, um, you know, you're not so, you don't stand out and there's nice restaurants and food and different facilities, which, so if you like, even though you like Indonesian food, you can still have, you know, like nice pizza and that type of too. And I think just the culture of Bali is, is um, fascinating. And I mean, always 
something new, something happening, different ceremonies taking place every day, going around you. Um, we're not Hindu, so we don't participate in those, but we do follow, there's, you have to follow certain ceremonies for your house. So um, that's always interesting. So it feels like something's always happening. Um, you know, there's no Monday, or oh, today's Monday, do this, or it doesn't really matter, days of week don't really matter so much. And yeah, it's just a nice, easy going lifestyle because it's like a tourist holiday destination, feels laid back. Um, you meet other foreigners, uh, you meet tourists, you meet other expats. It's a, easy to meet people and just feels a relaxed way of living. It doesn't feel so stressful. Um, the, the cost of living is fairly low so that, you know, you can come here and start, try to start a business and it's not, you know, it's not like trying to start it in Japan or in Tokyo where you have to pay thousands of dollars a month every, uh, thousands of dollars every month just for the rent, you know? Yeah. So you can rent a place here and have a nice, um, I think that's the attraction for a lot of people coming to start businesses online businesses that they can it's fairly affordable and i mean the internet was a big problem before but that's getting much better um yeah so. nice that's awesome that's great to hear yeah. so, so mm. before we close out do you have any final words or final comments to add on for uh, about anything particular in bali or uh, online yeah, targeted on people who want to uh, live as an expat in Bali, who want to, you know, pretty much develop their business in Bali, start up, start a business in Bali, pretty much. Okay, so yeah, well, there's, there's the, definitely there's an, the online side. So you come to Bali, you, you have your business in another country, and then you come to Bali and you work remotely i guess on that business that's one aspect or you can come here and start your own business and then you can earn income in indonesia so there's definitely two two dis a distinct decision people need to make and most people come where they've got an, an income from overseas or the developing one so they come here and they make money that way and then they think, oh, maybe this opportunity would be nice, say like a yoga studio, a guest house, a villa, and then they start that way. And definitely you want to be living here for a while before you make any investment, uh, if at all. Yeah. You make an investment, you don't want to be, don't look for properties online and then <laughs> come here. You know, you got to have the runway, you know. Um, yeah. It's got to be at least a year. Um, people, too many people come here, they buy something straight away and then they make a really bad decision. It could be a property that had problems that they had no idea about. They meet agents who don't tell them all the information. Um, they don't do due diligence on the property. So, uh, my wife has a due diligence service and almost every property she's checked has had problems. They couldn't build on it. They couldn't get licenses. Um, had different problems, like it's in a green zone, so you can't build on it. And doesn't even have an access road 
so the seller might say, oh yeah, you can just use my brother's land to get access. But what happens? The brother have an argument and then he'll say, put up a wall and say, no, you can't use my road anymore. You know, it yeah. sounds easy. It wouldn't happen in Australia, right? But it happens all the time here. So you got to do the due diligence. Um, definitely come here and get the, the lay of the land before you uh, make any substantial um, investment. Um, you yeah, need to follow the rules because say if, you know, it's one thing to come here, you have a business overseas, but say like you have a design, web design business and you, you start um, trying to get customers in Indonesia, but you don't have an actual company here. Well, yeah. well, photography business is another one. about that, And they actively search out um, foreigners here and the foreigner who gets all the legal starts a business here, gets all the legal visas and, you know, costs quite a bit of money. There's a lot of investment. If they see someone freelancing, then they will report that person's immigration. And that happens uh, regularly. And then you, you get, you can go to, they have a jail. And then what happens, you, you, you will have to pay probably a lot of money. Yeah. To get yeah. these, and then you, you'll maybe get blacklisted to come back here. So, it's not yeah. you are you got to make the decision what what you want to do because digital nomads seem they the government seems to be fairly open about not they don't say you can do it you can they do not say this is legal but they allow it to happen if you understand what that's yeah, I mean yeah. by that. Definitely. Um, I think it's like in a lot of countries there's no like digital nomad visa or so on and yeah. I mean, they're fairly open now with people getting like social, they call social visa, where the visas for um, supposedly for people visiting friends and family in Indonesia. But many digital nomads will use that visa to live here. So technically they shouldn't be using that visa. Um, technically the only visa you can work in Indonesia is a working visa. So anything other than that, you you really are breaking the law. And it's a real gray area whether, say, you get your money from overseas, but you live in, in Indonesia or Bali, that um, whether that's legal or not. And I wrote a blog post about that. And, you know, people say it's fine. Other people say it's not possible. And then, but you cannot go to the immigration and ask, can I do this? Because <laughs> I'm sure they're going to say, no, you can't do that. You have to start a company. You have to get a working visa. I mean, that, that's the only thing that they can say. They can't say, oh, yeah, just work on a tourist visa and um, go to Singapore every six months and, you know, um, get a new visa. Yeah. I mean, like every country, they, Indonesia's starting to, like, talking about taxes and that, like Netflix, they're operating in, Indonesia and they're not paying any taxes. So mm. they want, they want them to make an office here. And the same with like companies like booking.com and, you know, um, hotel mm. agencies, they, um, yeah, I mean, and it's for sure. It's unfair to, I think to the country that these companies can operate here and they make money here, but they're not, you know, paying their mm -hmm. fair share too. So, yeah. So, mm. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, um, and, you know, especially when it's like hotels and that. Yeah, 
And then what the tax have said to hotels is that you, they say you should be paying the tax, their tax. So you, you, you pay 10% commission to say booking.com or if it's even more than that, then you should be paying a percentage on top of that. That's what the yeah. tax department is saying to hotels. So in my mind, that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, yeah. I mean, if yeah. the companies, I'm pretty sure like booking.com, Airbnb, they make like a bulk of their money from Southeast Asian countries who end up with nothing sure, yeah. from them. Yeah. So yeah, I think it's only yeah. fair to give them at least mm. a bit of tax. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I don't, I don't know why they don't enforce it more. Like yeah. Airbnb is another one. Um, that's huge here. I think it was one of the top Airbnb places at one stage. I don't know how they judged it, but you know, I don't know, per capita or something, but there was an article. It was one of the best places to have an Airbnb. So that draws people in, foreigners yeah. to come. They are here on holiday and they think, hey, why not I buy a villa? I can stay here, you know, my holiday and then I can rent it out on Airbnb, make money. So that's a whole also gray area. You need licenses to do it legally. You know, people do it legally. And then there's a lot of people that do it illegally um, under, under the table. So there's, um, and it goes back to enforcement and so on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it's taking it some time, but maybe eventually they'll, the government will crack down more on it. They keep saying they will, but, um, you know, as I said before, there's too many people involved in all this kind of, um, they're in, the people who, make, who should be making the laws and doing enforcement, they're involved in it themselves. <laughs> there's there's yeah. a little motivation there to like really, you know, um, step down on it, you know, crack down on it. Mm, understand, yeah, that's a really good point. Um, so yeah, where can people find you? Where can people reach out to you and what can they expect from you? Well, yeah, I have a website, baliexpat.com. Um, I've been running it for over 10 years. So my interest in the site has sort of gone up and down and I have a couple of eBooks for sale. Um, there's a link to my wife's website. She's uh, barleylawyer.net and she, she, helps foreigners start businesses here. Um, as I said, property due diligence and that type of thing. And she, she either helps people before they get involved or she helps people after who, people yeah. who don't do all the checks. Yeah. So the, the smart people who, you know, some people though, they don't want to pay the money, you know, yeah. the, in, in the end, some reason they can spend, they don't see to invest $200,000 in a property, but they can't, they say, oh, I can't afford to pay a legal yeah. fee for to do due diligence. You know, and there was one case where someone was going to buy a property from someone they didn't even actually own. Oh, they were going to lease it, right? Do Ooh, a long term okay. lease. And they, that person only had a one year lease. And he said he, he was going to um, pay them, the owner back every year. But you, you know, like he's, yeah. he might do it one year. After that, he's gone, you know. Yeah. And that person, oh, he's a nice person. He's really 
kind to me, drives me around and so on, you know, and where people wouldn't do, do that in their own country, that somehow they come here and they do it, they don't see, um, they, they lose sort of their common sense. So um, mm, definitely I, get it all checked out. Yeah, I think, <laughs> yeah, especially in Bali, like you said, because of all the taxes, regulations, I think due diligence is more important than in a developed country. This, if you're new to the country, you don't know about certain things. And even yeah. local people, they're not buying and selling property all the time. They may not check it. You know, they, they're not, it's easy to say, well, they speak the language. But you go to a notary's office to have a meeting to sign a property. Like one case, the seller in the notary's office, they left off a zero. Oh. In the in the, um, the contract, Ella signed all the documents, and the buyer had worked somehow with the notary, and they left off a zero. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds great, but you know you're in the in the office, you think you're selling your house, and um, you th you're so happy you're going to get your money. They left off a zero, so <laughs> they they got less money, right? And of course, wrong. But then they had to go through the court. They had to spend more money um, over how many years to try and win the case. You know, it's just it sounds ridiculous, but these these things happen all the time. And um, you you got to get it checked out. Um, so many, unfortunately, many scams. And um, that's why one thing me and my wife like to help people is because we don't want to see people scam we don't want to um people have a bad impression of indonesia and yeah. you know i think anywhere in the world um has these scams but unfortunately like people come to bali and they have sort of you know rose colored glasses and and then they make they're wide open to um mistakes and they they do things that they wouldn't ordinarily do in their own country, which is a shame. Um, relationships, that's another whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, a whole nother podcast probably. <laughs> and yeah, so yeah. I'm starting um, another website, alloexpat.com. So that's the, the sort of more global website that's that I'm okay. thinking of starting. So, I mean, it's, it's not a new area of, of not nothing like groundbreaking technology wise, but hopefully have a new different angle to living overseas. And, you know, like Facebook, obviously most people like using Facebook and that for um, getting information about living overseas. So that's definitely been a, a change from what um, I was used to when I started out like forums and stuff. Now people always Facebook groups and so on. Yeah. So, that's sort of a challenge starting your own business in that, in that um, niche. Yeah. Yeah. I think your yeah. Facebook, Facebook group is, has a lot of followers as well. It's speaking. Yeah. A I had, a, big few, community I had a few different, um, yeah, I have a few different ones and yeah, it's the time consuming and yeah. <laughs> can have problems, but they can also lead to other opportunities too. So, if you if you like the community, you like the people, then um, yeah, I had a digital nomad one, and and someone else was interested in that, so they took over it, and so 
they, they do have, they sounds weird, but yeah. they, they are an asset. Whereas where like a website was, you know, before people bought and sold websites, but if you develop a community, you know, that is potentially is an, is an asset too. And I don't know what legally with Facebook, I'm sure they might not agree with that, but you know, I mean, you like anything, if you don't own something, you can get shut down overnight. Yeah. You know, you don't, you don't own a Facebook group. So um, in that regard, it's not, um, it's not yours, right? <laughs> yeah. Whereas say like a, a website or something, you can say, well, that's actually mine, legally mine. Yeah. I'll let you go have your lunch now. Cause I think we okay. went over a bit. Yeah. yeah. Thanks. Great to meet you. And yeah, stay in touch. Likewise. Thank you for um, time. If I get a, if I get a podcast going, I can talk to you, interview you. Yeah, of course. And um, yeah, when I come to Bali next, I'll be sure to visit you as well. Yeah, definitely come up the north and uh, come visit us. Sounds good. Thank you so much for your time, Mike. Thank Thank you everyone for listening. I hope you enjoyed it and learned something new from this episode. If you did, make sure you like, comment and subscribe. And if you know anyone who'd benefit from the content we covered today, make sure you share it with them and add some value to their life. Have a blessed day and take care.